0: I'm excited about tonight, and I know the leaders that, that planned this and talked to me about it, uh, I don't know, a month and a half, two months ago, maybe a couple of months ago or more. So excited about the opportunity to bring y'all together, so and I'm really, really excited about having Ross here with us. I agree with Mariah. I thought it was a real highlight of our marriage conference last year. Your favorite you know, part? My favorite part, yes. Best speaker of last year's?
1: Yes. <laughs> Thank you
0: Appreciate that. I, I, I didn't. I couldn't filter on the spot whether or not there were any other speakers here. Well, your father-in-law's
1: right there. Well, I think he was
0: there. Okay, I'm. I'm going to stick with you on that one. Were there are <laughs> any others that are here? I'll pray for it you. It was very good, though. It was You're good. It God was, loves it you. It was all very good. It was all very, very good. So, well, I thought the topic of relational leadership was so important, mm-hmm. so good, because I think one of the dynamics that's going on post-COVID I heard Patrick Lynchioni talk about this in a podcast recently how companies are a lot of companies went totally with what he calls maybe it's a term out there in the world I'm not sure but transactional mm-hmm. basically saying we're not interested in you personally your life as long as you do your job right. and essentially we don't care if you do it from home we don't care where you do it from just do your job and we're not interested in you and they're looking for people who can just do the job as opposed to companies that are coming back and really people's hearts really warming up to, hey, I've missed the interaction. I want to be with people. I want to engage with people. And his his challenge was, hey, you know, whatever your company is, put it out there up front for everybody to see. Are you transactional? Or are you relational? Are you interested in people? And so I love this topic because. Uh, it, it speaks to the heart of who we are as a church. We are we are a very relational church. We have for years and years, I mean, from the beginning of the church when we were LS, LSUS, we heard so much about um, how, people's experience at the church being one where they, they just loved how they were welcomed, how they were received, and the, the atmosphere being one, highly relational, rather than which... I don't have many other church experiences besides celebration, so I can't even speak to any other church specifically. But as opposed to what I hear from many people is like, well, we just showed up for church. And that that's transactional church. Can I just go ahead and tell you, we're not going to put a sign on the front door, but we are not transactional church. We are relational church. And as leaders, that's really a reflection of who you are that people continue to sense that. So I want to jump in. I'm going to ask a few questions tonight and let let Ross really speak to this subject. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, you know, when it comes to relational leadership, what what are some of the things, and I think there's gonna be a lot of overlap with these questions, but, but what's important in building relationships with the people that, that you're leading?
1: I guess my first question is, if you go to church and no one cares, you're at a transactional church. That's right. and, and I think I've been a part of some of these transactional churches where you're a stranger in a movie theater and you watch God do a great thing, but you, you don't know your neighbor. You don't, yeah. You're not in a small group, you're just there to receive. And as a consumer, I think you're disgruntled. And so, first of all, let me say that I love you leaders. I think you're some of the most mature believers of the church. Because you didn't come here to take, you came here to give. You are on the front line. You deal with the frustrating members, because I know you don't have any bad members. But y'all know who I'm talking about. That you want to choke, right? Because they are in their sin, they're in their selfishness, they are offended, offended. Uh, you may remind them of someone that offended them, right? And so I think that to me, relational church or relational interaction is saying that God, I value the, the relationship. I, I value knowing this person. I get to know them. I memorize their name. Uh, I had a friend of mine that, that she, she liked to give everyone nicknames. And I was like, I don't know why I'm offended by that. But I, I guess the more I went back to like my Bible, I was like, well, Adam was given dominion, right? He named something as a sign of conquer. So uh, maybe that's a first tip is that if you're going to lead people, I want you to know their name. I want you to know how to say their name. And some of them have difficult names, but I beg you, do not rename them, right? Because you're not conquering them. You're supposed to be getting to know them, right? So if there's some weird enunciations or an accent on the E or whatever the thing is, I beg you to be humble and be be, be a student that you're getting to know the people you're leading that you know the features of their family, of their circumstance, because then you know to pray for them. I led worship in Dallas when I was going to graduate school. We lead the set, we're at practice, we're laughing, we're cutting up. Classic worship, you know. At the end, we're like, okay guys, prayer requests. And the the lady was like, well, let's pray for my son. He was arrested today. And I was like, I am a terrible leader. How have I not addressed that and we're an hour, we're an hour and a half into being the body of Christ, too busy doing the work of God to love on this woman. And so from then on, I, I began talking to the team and saying, okay, guys, before we get started, like, do we need to talk to anybody? Like, is there, you know, like, any more surprises, you know? Because I, I I never want a leader just to be on task. And I think that's what we're talking about transactional, is that we use people when we're on task because the kids are more important than the worker. You will not have workers, true? And so I think in in our small groups, I'm sure there's all types of groups represented here. Is that accurate? That's correct. But that's gonna be my plea to you is that you get to know your people, you invest in them. And if they do challenge you, find out why they frustrate you. It may be because they act like you do, right? (laughs) I like attention, and so I can't stand people who talk too much because I talk too much, right? And if you're quiet, you probably can't stand quiet people, right? Because with the saying? I can't stand to see my sin in you. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm going to keep That's talking you. you. That's excellent, Reese. We really appreciate it. That was a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ross. Ross. I'm sorry. That, that
0: was, was good. You like that? That's was good. <laughs> good. Figured our senses of humor matched up on that one. Uh, you know, sometimes in leading there are inside of us some kind of underlying type issues, things going on that, that can really create a barrier to us leading well. Uh, what are a couple of those that, I mean, some of them are a little bit diff, more difficult to manage, like temperament kind of things. Sure. I know for me personally, that's a, that's a big one that I have to try to overcome in, in leading well. And um, what are some that maybe the low hanging fruit in terms of of barriers to uh,
1: relational barriers to leading well? I guess one of my questions is why are they in your group? What did they come for? I don't want to assume that someone joined my small group because they want to know Jesus. Did they bring a girl? I mean, I'm not trying to be funny here, but like, are there other motives to why you're in my group? Um, Because I, I want to ask that. I want to get to know you. I want to ask those extra questions because conflict is a part of intimacy. I deal with this with couples counseling and and these men will tell me, uh, I don't wanna fight with my wife. And I'm like, oh, so you don't want intimacy. And he's like, well, that's not what I said. I'm like, well, conflict is a sign of intimacy. So if we're having conflict in our group, I wanna know why. Do you have someone that's an Indian and wants to be a chief? Are they just mad they're not the leader? Is there a humility issue there? Is there an ego? Is there history? Uh, one of the things that I think we got to cover is as a leader i 'm never going to be able to lead past my own shortcomings so if i 'm not in the Word of God and I have resentments, if me and pastor don 't get along so we 're going to ha- i 'm already a bad leader. you see that, and so I guess maybe that 's my first question to yourself is like, are me and God good, are me and my wife good because those things are limiting my leadership because i I found out that my wife's aunt had an eighth grade education and she was homeschooling her children, which worked until what? Sixth, seventh, eighth grade, right? But when her high schoolers were tested, and I'm not being mean to her, but her kids were behind because we're asking her to teach something she's never learned. And so hopefully as, as leaders, we're, we're learning the material, we're ready. We have the resource, right? Because there's some imposter syndrome. I don't know if you experienced that as pastors, but we experienced that as counselors. Is God has called me really beyond my gifting if I'm blunt with you guys okay and so God helps me God shows up God reminds me of scripture that I've tried to study I've tried to be ready but I I think any leader that says there's not an imposter syndrome is also a liar is that fair no it's true and I'd rather be humility of like Ross take a minute
0: and explain imposter syndrome
1: okay so you know if if Pastor David let's pick on him he asked me to lead worship he asked me to lead this group am I called? Am I equipped? Do I know the word of God? I was chuckling. These questions that got sent to me, it was like, you know, bring up, we'll we'll get to these questions later, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it now. But it was like, bring up your favorite Bible story. I'm like, oh yeah, let let me quote scripture in front of a pastor. That's that's a great idea. Yeah, this is gonna be so much fun. (laughs) LeBron James is like, let's go outside and shoot basketball. Yeah, that's a great idea. (laughs) That's imposter syndrome right there, is I gotta be honest that my insecurity with the word of God is still being challenged because even though I know the word of God, even though I've done my work, that's still going to be tested around someone I respect that I think is closer to the Lord than I am. And I'm not putting him on an altar, but there's that intimidation of like, I need to sing my song, is what we, what we say in the worship, right? Is that my song is not more beautiful than his, but God wants to hear my song, right? just as God wants to hear his song. So my type of leadership may be more relational. It may be more uh, softer than others. Some of you guys, I don't know if we've talked about the Enneagram, but some of you are more direct. Some of you are just flat rude. (laughs) And that may be a gift if it's reined in, right? Because you can be so direct that your people quit. And we have leaders that are so specific that you can't do anything right. The infamous I I can't fill the dishwasher correctly you know so then the resentful ones doing it all the time right because evidently there's a wrong way to do the dishwasher if you don't you know if you're not offended by that you're probably the one saying that right (laughs) (laughs) but how about that maybe as a leader as am I humility is am I educating am I allowing grace and mercy to be what my character is in my leadership And then when the imposter syndrome comes up, is my esteem, is my worth Bible-based, Psalm 139, right? That God has equipped me, God has called me, or am I people-based? My worth comes from uh, Pastor David's compliments. I think we're going to struggle, right? Because even if you do compliment me, I'm probably going to be resentful that that's all you said. You could have said more, you know? Because Pastor David's like, you know, he's one of my favorite counselors. Oh, just one of your favorite. Oh, top 10. Oh, only top 10. Okay. So offended, right? But I think we're looking at those insecurities that, remember, I'm, I'm trying to compliment you guys. You are on the front line. You are being used. Your character is being tested as you love these people. And we have people that are tough to love. But as you get shot, you, we, we serve a loving God that's a forgiver, that's a healer. And, and he's like, I know, they, they hurt me too, right? They left me too. But we are the hands and feet of this church. When we love them, we represent the character of Christ and the name of Christ, right? Because transactional search says we just represent the name. But we're going to do anything he did. We're just, we're just going to blow smoke and then no one comes back, right?
0: So good, so good. So that was one of your best answers. It was. One of my best. Thank you. It was. Thank you. And that's all I'm going (laughs) to say. So most of the people here, I think, are small group leaders, and some are maybe half and half, but I think it's mostly small group leaders. Others lead dream teams, and so dream teams, obviously, year-round, and some ebb and flow in the number of people, but you're you're working with the same people. That's like readers. parking lot. It's anybody that makes Sunday happen. Got it. Um, so it's so that's Dream Team. Small groups are new every semester, three times a year. They are we're going to have a new group of people. Angela and I have a bunch of twenty-three to thirty-year-olds at our house. I didn't know a lot of their names. Some of them said they've been at church two years. I've never connected with them. It's been fabulous so far, by the way. If y'all are in an Alpha group, it's it's the it's just super. If you're not in one, you need to get in one one semester soon. Um, the question is around. Um, Fostering strong connections in a group, the the answer's gotta kinda take in both the fact that a lot of us, every small group semester, have a new group of people. We're, We're wanting as quickly as possible to foster strong connection. Um, most importantly, because we want them to begin to open up and begin to share their life, and most of the times, most small group leaders know that's gonna take an easy four to five weeks, if not some semesters, six, seven weeks, and you're almost done by the time everybody's blabbing their, their business in the, in the group, and, which is good, and you, wanna, you want that to happen. Talk to us about um, maybe some ways that, that you, you can invest relationally in a group of people that is going
1: to create that kind of openness? Something I've tried in my teams are, I, I want everyone to tell their story. So you may have to limit some of your talkers or push some of your introverts, but I would love if a team could carve out five minutes and have Becky, have Stan come up to the front of the group and just tell their testimony in five minutes. Because to me, to be known by the group, right, is that I have to be a little vulnerable, I have to share something maybe uncomfortable about me, That this is my third marriage, or I have a special needs child, or something that is a little, not my favorite thing to talk about, but what I find is the body grows, the body feels connected, because now we're getting to know each other. And I think just by nature, we get kind of conservative. I mean, if I handed this mic around the room right now, y'all would really be quiet when y'all were laughing over there with food, right? So there is this conservative nature that we don't want to share our story because we are afraid, but nothing... Uh, stagnates the group more than that refusal to invest. And so I would do a good job of maybe taking turns praying, taking turns sharing your story. Please don't go to the loudest, okay? I know that's the easiest, but maybe you're a quiet person. You may have to get pre-approval, like, hey, would you mind praying today? Because they may need a week to write the prayer, you know what I'm saying? Not making fun of you if you're that person, but, but kind of. Uh, that's good. But I think that's part of, I want there to be boldness that, that everyone in this room can pray, okay? Is, are you comfortable praying? Ooh, because I don't know if you know this, but couples that live together in sin, they'll refuse to pray together. Do you know that? Because what they'll say is, that's too personal. That's too intimate. Isn't that interesting? So they'll live together. They'll beer, uh, share beers. Share, I didn't mean, I meant bills. Don't, don't judge me. <laughs> Guys, this is the last time I'm talking to y'all. I did it. I'm like number 11 of counselors now. <laughs> Share bills, I'm, I swear. But how about this? I want to have intimacy in these groups. Here's one of my rules. If you're not comfortable, it's not, in, excuse me, if you are comfortable, it's not intimacy, okay? Because I wrote celebration at church for $10. Did I say that right? Celebration, a check for $10. Did that cost me anything? No, it wasn't a sacrifice. So let's not even call that an offering. I put a comma in that check. Okay, that hurts. That's expensive. That is something that I'm investing. I'm being obedient to a God that loves me. But that increases my love of this church if I invest in this church. So now these groups, how are your members investing in the group? Are they just showing up? Are they are they missing stuff? Are they not following the rules? And that may go back to the heart of the person of you getting to know them, loving them, finding out, are you purposely breaking our rules? Are you making a statement? Or is, am I just failing to communicate with my team what is expected that I can use my grace, my kindness to kind of put them back in line?
0: So good. So good. So how do we know when we're, when we're succeeding?
1: I think it's, it's pretty obvious. I don't mean to be simple, but I think that the team's thriving when we can talk about things other than church. If, if I walk in the room and the, 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 the team scatters, we're in trouble, right? Because we're on task, we're not friends, we're not even laughing, we're just on mission, right? And if a team's thriving, there should be friendship conversations of compassion, of follow-up. Hey, we prayed for your aunt last week, what's the update? I care about you, right? And, and that doesn't have to come from the leader. I want the leader to foster, right, to encourage, to allow because there is responsive nature. Understand that, that there is the tip of the spear. There are people who are initiators and there are people who are responders. And we deal with that a lot with marriage and in sex. And I know that we're not here to talk about that, but I think that's something you have to remember is you can't get mad at someone for being responsive, okay? And so if, if I grab a worship leader and they start singing, I, I would love for y'all to start singing and y'all probably will, right? But none of you started singing on your own, right? And there's, there's insecurities, that fear of stepping out and looking stupid. So we need the tip. We need the, the, the first, right? And then we need the, the team to respond if they feel comfortable. Something else is, is I'm looking for is trust, okay? I want someone willing to trust. If they don't trust, I, I want to talk, okay? Because me and Pastor David are driving to Dallas, and we're in Marshall, and he's got his hand on his truck on his side, and he's screaming at me. What does that tell me? He does not trust me. He is so nervous, and he hates me as a driver, right? I look over, and he's dozing. He's like sleeping, snoring in my truck. What does that tell me? You're basically telling me right now that my wife hates me, though. She because, does. Uh,
0: that's.
1: But hard question. If people are not quiet in your church, chur- in your truck, maybe that's your driving, right? Maybe you're driving so aggressively, NASCAR. Oh. Who was your favorite speaker last year at the marriage conference? (laughs) But trust, vulnerability, right? Let's look for these key features of the group that I want us pushing for. Is trust easy? No. It's one of our sayings is it's gained in drops, lost in buckets. Go ahead. So true. So, you know, how many of you are in an
0: alpha group or leading an alpha group? Yeah, uh, just about 10 or so of you. I'm telling you, there's a lot of good things, and I don't know if you, when you did the training for that, if you if you remember some of what Ross is saying right now. Um, for, for Angela and me in leading groups, that has been one of the biggest challenges is, you know, I, I want to, in the past, uh, you know, in groups I've wanted to, you know, I've, I've made it, well, it's been relational, I know the value of that. It's It's been more imparting of, of information and, you know, and realizing you have a short amount of time to do that. One of the, the big strategies with Alpha is is both of the things that you just said. Are you familiar with Alpha? I've never heard of it. So um, we'll have that conversation another time. But is is create is leading with a lot of questions and giving people an opportunity to talk and and fostering an fostering an environment where there is the willingness and the trust to to. Um, to say whatever and ask whatever question. And it's really a beautiful part of it, plus the relational part of it is, which is very uncomfortable for me, because I'm used to, hey, let's get here within 10 or 15 minutes, we're starting the group. Alpha, they want you to go 30 to 40 minutes just letting very natural dialogue happen among the, the people that are there conversationally about whatever. And before you you get into anything, and even even at that point, well, let me tell you, just in a few weeks of us doing this this semester, when we get to the discussion time that is going to be specific, I mean, I'm sitting at a table with a dozen guys this past Wednesday night. We separate the guys and the gals for the discussion time at our house. i got 12 guys around our dining room table, and they are talking like you cannot believe. I mean, they're just about, uh, on the subject, and I think what we've done in a short amount of time, through the relational leading and the building of trust in the environment, that they can ask whatever they want to or say whatever they want to, and it's safe—you know, it's safe for them to do that. In, in just a few weeks, we've created an environment where there is that buy-in, awesome. and and we're seeing some really good things happen. So that's that's incredible, incredible answer um, for us as leaders. Um, so the the final question. Is the question you brought up earlier, and it may be to give us a, an example from Scripture that, that you think is a good model of relational leadership. I mean, and you can't use Jesus, so uh, no, come no on. seriously. Anything, come on, I'm kidding. Um, t- maybe even some well-known figures through history that that have been
1: exemplary uh, leaders. And I guess as I thought about that question, I mean, to me, you go through all the high points from uh, Abraham, from Moses, from Noah. I mean, it had rained in 300 years, 400 years. And Noah, who was a conspiracy theorist, that's a good conspiracy theorist joke right there, right? He was not a genius until it started raining, right? But, but I guess, once again, I'm looking for how did these men convince these people to do things when we knew the other side, we knew the end, right? And I think that's where I'm looking for, is there's time and time again, God calls the misfits, he doesn't call the qualified, right? He, call, he qualifies the called, right? So, so how is God using these people throughout scripture time and time again that, that, that God uses and he says just these impossible things that he speaks to Moses and he says, I need you to go confront your Pharaoh, your brother, the most powerful human in the world and give up 4,000 Egypts. I think my numbers are correct there. And I think that that's where I'm looking for what was the relationship? How, what had to happen before we talked about him, right? How did Noah's children, how does Noah's wife love him enough to help him corral and do what we believe God told him to do? And I guess that's my desire as a man, as a father, as a husband, is I want my wife to trust me, right? So I have to be careful to her and act trustworthy, right? So as a group leader, I want to be predictable, consistent, be punctual. Let's find these basic things that we need to work on that, that will earn the trust of my members. Now, listen, we got to talk about this. There are people that don't like you. I don't know if some of you can handle that, okay? There are people in this church that will never like you, okay? I know we don't like talking about stuff like this, but there are clashes, okay? And, so, and, and it hurts my feelings, too. I, 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 I know it's hard to hear that. But there may be people in your groups that you're never going to get along with. And you just got to be okay with, okay, I need to do my best. I need to love them. And it may always be abrasive. It may never click. And that's okay. But once again, there's that question. Am I aiming for God's acceptance? Am I aiming for man's acceptance, right? Because we all have some of it, okay? We build jails for people who don't want any of man's acceptance, okay? So it's, there, there's some things seriously wrong with you if you don't care what anyone thinks of you but let's not put man on the altar and worship him, right? And so there's that heart check of saying, if I'm, if I'm about God's things, then I may have peace that passes understanding. What I like to say is, you're so peaceful, we think you're crazy, right? Because as your daughter's in the ICU, you're like, God, I believe, God, I stand on you. We claim your healing, we claim by faith. And what are the nurses saying? You should be crying, right? You should be in Brentwood, right? But I guess there's tons of stories, I think tons of examples we could flip through from Paul and Timothy and all these men who began mentoring each other. And I guess maybe that's my question to you is, who is mentoring you? Be careful that you're not removing resources, right? Because if we cut the branch off the tree, the branch immediately starts dying. And so we talked about that last year at the marriage retreat, right? It was that, that we want three relationships, a mentor, an equal, and someone you're mentoring. And I think all three are valuable for your growth, for your team's growth, the growth of your family, your marriage. All things benefit when you continue to say, okay, God, I've got to stay consistent. I've got to keep doing the right thing. And immediate results are guaranteed not to happen, right? In fact, I don't think it's godly if you have immediate results, okay? Because I think that's what the devil loves to sell, right? Do the right thing, eat this diet for three days, and you'll lose 4,000 pounds, right? (laughs) That's evil, okay? When I think God is saying, live within the bounds, follow my rules, do what's right, and, and and God will get the glory as he should, okay? And you will be obedient servant that is so glad to be a part of it. Yeah,
0: I think there's a scripture about that, sowing and reaping, that um, don't get weary doing what's right. Because there's an appointed time, there's a right time um, to reap the harvest, but the harvest comes to the one who faints not, you know, that, that is steady... Um, consistently doing what's right. I think we have just a few minutes left. Um, I know I didn't prepare any of you for this, but um, how about a question from you guys? Let's let's put this guy on the spot for a second.
1: Let's go. One of your favorites or your favorite? Daniel? Can you
0: name your top ten pastors
1: in the area? No. <laughs> now,
0: we have a... We have an instigator here. (laughs) That's good. Somebody else. We're not answering that? No. Someone try to do better than that. Yeah.
1: How would you advise a leader to uh, mentor another leader? Yeah, yeah. Because I think that's going to be necessary because they'll need to be venting. Like, is this normal? Do I need to get a supervisor? Do I need to get help? Um, at what point is grace being abused? Yeah, and so how about that? I'm looking for those equivalent friendship relationships. Sure, absolutely. Because I don't want you to be prideful and not ask. Because I think there's healing and confession, right? There's healing and venting. Now let's just make sure it's not gossip in disguise, right? Pastor David, I have a I have a prayer request. Because mm-hmm, right. you know, Susie, did you hear what she did? You know. Right, and, and that may be something you can work on is to say, who, is, who, is, who are my people? Who can I trust? Because uh, something I would challenge all as leaders is you have to know when you're in over your head, okay? Whether it's a medical emergency, whether it's uh, domestic abuse or something serious, uh, I don't want a prayer request if someone's in domestic abuse. Uh, can we all agree on that? Right. And so I think we need to have a system of who, is your, who are you answering to, and I beg you to call more than you think you should, Okay. I would rather you be guilty of acting than guilty of not acting, and it got worse. Because yeah. I'm not trying to say blood's in your hands. Please don't misunderstand me. But we need help. We need, we need to move in and, and get the right resources for whatever's going on.
0: Very good. Very good. Um, I think let's do one more. Yeah. Tyler? Yes. Um, yeah, how-
1: I agree. Uh, Because I I think, unfortunately, people who are loud sometimes don't really give good advice. And so I guess my rule is, do they have something I want? If I think they're financially successful, am I willing to take them to lunch and ask them the tough questions? I mean, not, let me see your checkbook. But I mean, I, I need to make sure they're successful first, right? Don't be jealous of their debt, right? I know we're not here to talk on money, but but I guess that's where if you see a man who is kind to his wife and you struggle to battle your own selfishness, that, that's a good, that's a good uh, impression, right? Or, my goodness, how does his wife treat him? Gosh, what, what is he doing to foster that kindness, to foster that love that she's willing to fix his plate, you know? And if you're sitting at your house going, man, nobody's fixes my plate. I'm like, I wonder why, you know? Pull out your mirror and let, let's see the problem, right? But I, I think that that's relationally looking for people that are in your court. Uh, something I, I read earlier was that extroverts tend to be a mile wide and an inch deep, okay? Because we're outgoing and we like new things and new energy, and that's neat and all, but we're we're sacrificing, and that's what you were referring to earlier. Those roots are so shallow, you won't survive the next storm, okay? And so I beg you, if, if having intimacy is painful, find someone, because Tyler's my person, as a counselor it's really hard to find friends because I need someone stable you know because I'm like don't cry on me you know but but Tyler's been a great friend to me because we can laugh we can get away because that's what he said last year I'll out you he goes I've never heard you be this serious I'm like yeah because you never see me at work like we're, <laughs> we're there to laugh last thing I want to do is like start crying or be serious I've been doing that for eight hours I want to come laugh with my friends but Tyler's been a great friend to me that if I need a homie, if I need someone to pray for me, if I can be vulnerable and transparent with him, that makes him sharpen me, right? Because my honesty, my trust of him as a friend is that I can complain about my wife, and he's been very consistent to talk about my selfishness. Because he loves her, and he's not going to trash her. He's going to say, Ross, what are you doing? Why, why are you mad at her? What is your part? And I'm like, I knew you were going to say that. I knew I shouldn't have talked to you. That's good. If I can jump in on that
0: one, Tyler, it's a great question. and. Um, I think several of us were at the same meeting a couple of weeks ago in Houston where there was an entire session done on, on mentoring. I've got like six pages of notes we can have lunch and I can, but I thought a couple of the things that came out of that that just come to mind that I thought was really good uh, advice when it comes to mentoring is sometimes we don't have a mentor relationship because we're looking for that one person who we, we look at, we say, oh, that person could totally revolutionize my life and we place an unfair expectation on someone to be a mentor when really someone anyone who knows more about a particular subject or area of life than you do can be a mentor maybe not for a long long time but they could at least be someone that if you've evaluated and you said you know they've got a better marriage than we do they they can probably help you and and so put it setting the bar a little lower for um, for a, a mentor, but um, that's a great area. And you're going to probably be hearing um, maybe a Wednesday night message soon on on mentoring because I was particularly challenged by it. We've got a, a great team of people who were at the same session I was, and we may do a little panel or something and talk about it because we need we need people like that in our life. Good. we do. Okay, excellent. So so good. Is there anything else you want to say to these people before we we change the the flow
1: here? All I would say is, I mean, I I congratulate you. I thank you. I want want the church to say a thousand times, thank y'all for giving and loving and doing the difficult work because it would be easy to come here and eat, right? But we respect you that you brought food to the table and you're willing to give and love some of the difficult people, some of the easy people, some of the people that are wanting to get involved and need a leader. Excellent. Good. Well, I appreciate
0: y'all. Thank you so much, Ross, for coming tonight and being a part of this with us. Let's um, thank him.